Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. Like I say every week when I start my episodes, it's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. And I always tell people they talk about gifts, they talk about passion. If you have these gifts, lead with your gifts. And don't let your friends, your family, or your age stop you from planning or living your dreams. The interviews I do on Money Making Conversations are with consumers, or celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and what I like to call industry decision makers. And they're from all walks of life. My next guest is a former NFL star, Herman Moore. Herman isn't a football player who now owns a business. He's a businessman who happens to have played professional football. Football is his playing career. That's something he did. Like, everybody has something they've done in their past. But should you hold on to it? And he's made that transition as a very successful NFL analyst, promoting products as a vendor. Cinnabon, I love Cinnabon. Business (laughs) consultant, corporate and nonprofits. He has been trading cryptocurrency, which I know nothing about. And I'm not saying he's an expert. Well, we we definitely got to talk about that because that has been the top of my list. It has been the headlines of every financial trade magazine the last couple of years is cryptocurrency. And he is the founder of what all these products you see in front of me, Golden Grooming Company. I've had this product for about a month to schedule an interview. But guess what? I've been sneaking and using it now. You know, you, you kind of hold on to it. His product's so good. And this, this little comb right here I'm holding up, it sits on my desk because I have. everybody know I have a nice little beard. I keep my beard tight. You know what I'm saying? The company's mission is to help black young men and adult men look and feel their best because we believe that when you look good, you feel good. And then when you also do good. Please welcome the Money Making Conversation, Herman Moore. Pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Rashawn. Hey, Herman, I'm telling you, man, this right here, because my, my staff, they would say, Rashawn, uh, we finally got her on. I said, hey, man, I I, I kind of know him because this little comb here sits on my desk <laughs> every day. So I, at least for three or four times, is on my face. And so these are the type of products that you have for Golden Grooming that makes everything accessible and makes it comfortable for a person like me can carry it in your bag. I can like this little comb right here. I can slip it in my top pocket and nobody would ever notice it. Correct? That, yeah, that's that's correct. Uh, what we look for is grooming is something that I think we all need to pay attention to, uh, especially when you're looking at trying to make sure you present yourself uh, as your best. And we we know that. When you, you you feel good and you look good, you do good. I mean, yes. that's just that's just a fact. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think if we provide those products and we not just products, but high quality products at an affordable price, uh, that allows us to be able to make an impact there. Well, you know, the, the interesting thing about all your product, because they sent me this nice little line from the brush to I, like off air. I, I shared a little secret with you. You have this uh, small patch solid cologne, which I've never seen in my life. You know, we, we all know colognes come in a little squirt bottle, a little spray. You have what? Uh, what? What made you think of this idea? Because I love it. And I, again, something else I carry with me when I travel. So it really it, it, it makes me believe that you are a forward-thinking individual because you're thinking of things that a person like me who's super busy, who wants to stay groomed, but also likes to smell good, but not, I would like to use the word discreetly, and also carry comb and accessories discreetly, but still have them available because they have high quality. Talk about this, uh, this small patch solid cologne. 
Yeah, the, the, the solid cologne is a nice little product because when you typically use aerosol or you use a spray, mm-hmm. there's a lot of it that's being lost in the air. Mm-hmm. In trend, you know, when you're trying to transition it from that actual packaging to your, your body or your, your fabric or wherever you, you place your cologne. Uh, with this, it's just an application that is simply rub it on and it stays on pretty good. It, it really has nice scents and smells. We're going to be coming out with a different line. So the solid cologne, it not only gives you a, a further, a, a longer yield in terms of the product, uh, but it also gives you the convenience that you've mentioned of being able to take it with you wherever you want. And if you want to, you know, just tap it in and refresh up a little bit, you could do that. Um, I can't take credit for that. That is our our, desi- our development team. That is our um, our scientists and our chemists that we have that constantly are working on ways to provide uh, better quality products and also just innovative products to the to the marketplace. Well, you know, this is why I love it because of the fact you're absolutely right. Because you, you you've seen some people they they spray it in the air and they walk into the walk into the aroma or the scent. Or sometimes when I have a, the aerosol, I pointed towards me and then it hits sometimes on my clothes not exactly where I want it and then I finally have control of my cologne that's what I really like about it if I want to put it on my neck I want to put it on my wrist I feel comfortable with that I really really think that this is something I've never seen this before that's why I have to bring it up at the top of our conversation Herman because of the fact that I know you're giving credit to somebody else for doing it but you have to be the visionary and bringing it to the stores correct yeah, that's correct. And we, we always look at also um, coming, you mentioned earlier, some of my earlier ventures like Cinnabon. And we looked at everyone had to have, for instance, like the cinnamon rolls, a big cinnamon roll. And you had to have the knife and the fork to eat it. Then we started getting into what was called minis because we wanted to have something that was a little bit more portable. Mm-hmm. It has a different functionality to it. That's no different. You have to constantly look at ways to improve and innovate within your product category or your service category. And that's what allows you to be able to distinguish yourself and differentiate yourself from the competition. Uh, but also, you're, you're also addressing a need. Anytime you can solve problems, and then also we can also eliminate uh, waste and mm-hmm. add profitability to our mm-hmm. company, but also mm-hmm. give a greater yield to mm-hmm. the customer, mm-hmm. you're giving a, min- a, a mutually beneficial uh, value back. And I, I will take credit in the fact that that is what we look for. That's what I look for all the time, mm-hmm. uh, because you, you want to make sure that you have a very balanced business approach. I'm going to just tell you something, man, about Cinnabon. I, wouldn't, I was just going to say it as a credit, you know, but you're going to just bring it up in our conversation. So now you because I'm a, I'm a dessert nut. Everybody knows that about me. Now, the, you have the minis, and then you have the regular huge ones. And see, I like to get that right when they put in the, put in the uh the cream on top. You know, I, I like it when you, you know, it's hot. I'm just telling you, man. And so I'm going to just tell you, it's the same bond now, the mini and the regular. But the regular tastes so much better. I'm just going to let you, Herman. For some reason, getting that big old piece of bond and breaking it up and taking that fork and separating it, you can't go wrong, man. I know I know the whole packaging about the minis, but those those giants, I call them giants since you have the mini now. But the, those are the way to go, man. The, the regular size are the way to go. I, I can tell you this. I can tell you're not eating many of those because those things pack a lot of calories. Don't let the size fool you. It was rolled with love in it. And <laughs> it was rolled and we had that, that, that taste. We had to make sure that we know, hey, Rashawn's coming in and make sure his has got that extra icing on it Ooh, and all and that me, goo a, on it. That a glass want. of milk, See, A glass of milk? Come on now, brother. You you going to run me out all that right. store. You're going to run me out that store. And I, I really, you know, Ben, let's go a little history because I'm a football fan. 
And I, so I know about your athletic abilities on the field. But we all know there is a time that you're going to realize that you can't play anymore. You can, you can, you can hear it every day. Like average life, especially as a football player, maybe five years, five or six years of a full-time NFL player. Now, when did you start transitioning mentally into saying, I want to be, what is my life after football? Well, I, I started doing it. My career ended in 2002, and I really started making that transition my final year, uh, 2000, 2001. I started reading for about a year and learning a little bit about the industries that I wanted to approach, uh, understanding also, was I going to basically start do a startup? Or was I going to take on a franchise system? Mm -hmm. And I chose to go with Mailbox, et cetera, which was my very first franchise that I purchased. And then from there, I ended up becoming uh, the second largest Cinnabon partner, owning all of Florida and all of uh, Michigan stores. And during that process, I assembled and put together a team that would help me with the operations because that wasn't my background. Uh, my background is in marketing and communications, uh, but I wanted to make sure I surrounded myself with those that would, would give me the right advice. Now, I will say this. You can put all the people around you that you want, mm -hmm. but if you don't understand what they're doing mm -hmm. and the direction that they're leading you or the information that they're giving you, then it's it's really not doing you that great of a cause because then it's all based on who they are and the character uh, that they possess on whether or not they're leading you down the right path. Right. So I, I, I learned, I had some bumps and bruises in there, but at the same time, it's allowed me to become a very disciplined business owner uh, now uh, going through all those experiences. So it'd be tough to change any of those things. See, I've, I've been keeping you in business. Now you say you in Florida and all that. I've, I actually have been keeping you in business because I used to go to Orlando okay. all the time because they got a Cinnabon right there in Orlando that I would go into all the time. When I, when I look at you as a leader, because this was this is about leadership. This is about team, about walking in. Because you also saying you, 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 because I'm assuming you're based in the, in the Detroit area. Am I correct? That's correct. Okay, so when you say you have businesses that are not drivable, how do you maintain that level of management, that level of professionalism to make sure you're meeting your your bottom line and your expectations of service to people, even though you can't just walk in the door and check? Yeah, well, what I did is uh, interesting. I, I've always been into technology, and getting involved with this allowed me to bring some of the discipline, not only as a, a, an athlete and just having this very regimented process in which we go by, but I brought the concept of team, knowing that it was more than just myself. So you, when you talk about that leadership, it's no different. It's transitioning that into the business world and knowing that you're willing to go in, not only learn all the, the things that my employees were doing and my team members, but also to show them that I was willing to put in the work. And, and by doing that, they saw I was an absentee owner, mm -hmm. uh, that I was very much hands-on, uh, but I wasn't so much to where it was granular and that I was micromanaging uh, them. But I was showing that there was uh, there was an expectation, uh, that there was accountability on all levels uh, from your top down. Uh, and then from there, it's, it's really learning from your mistakes. You're gonna make mistakes in business. You're gonna make mistakes in life. It's all about what do you do with those lessons and those, those things that don't quite work sometimes and the things that do work well, how do you utilize that to help you continue along that path? And for me, I was able to take all of those elements and and really start to develop what I call a playbook. So it's, right. it's again, bringing in a lot of those that, you know, I don't try and use the analogy of sports all the time, but it is, is developing a playbook that leads you down this path to success. And um, that that's really been all about it. So watching my business, when you mentioned that I put technology in place, I actually started to develop a back end piece on our point of sale systems 
which will allow me at that time to receive real-time receipts uh, mm -hmm. to my computer, which mm -hmm. wasn't was unheard of at that point because mm -hmm. you typically had to get the printed receipts and then have everyone fax that to you. Right. Uh, but we were able to develop programs to do that. And every time I've, I've been part of a, any type of business or startup, I've looked at what resources are available, including technology as being a platform and a foundation of that work. Well, you know, the interesting thing is when I listen to you, your articulation, your professionalism, you just happen to play football, Herman. You know, because you know, I consider Magic Johnson a good friend of mine. And, you know, even before he became a basketball star, he wanted to be a business owner. He wanted to be an entrepreneur. And he's and he's, and he's shown it after his basketball life has ended. He's equally as a Hall of Famer in the business world as he has been on the basketball court. What did it all start for you, this mentality to be an entrepreneur? What did it start for you? You know, you came from a single-parent home. Talk about that upbringing that shifted you in this direction about where you are at today. It was always, you know, it goes back to my my youth. Uh, I started out in school and I, I was in the Head Start program, which has been in the news as of late uh, mm -hmm. in some areas. And uh, you, you're giving, you're already put at a limitation sometimes before you get started. I noticed when I went into a college or high school, I was always directed into courses that were really weren't challenging me. They weren't going to, they weren't going to to stretch me. Mm -hmm. or put me in a place where I get to go and say, okay, can I test and utilize all the ability that I have? Now, they give me that opportunity in sports when they, they can see that potential in the athleticism, but why can't you see that potential in my, my, my ability from a, a mental standpoint and from an intelligence standpoint? Um, and quite often, sometimes we start to buy into that. So I stopped buying into that uh, long into, you know, very early into my football right. career, mm -hmm. uh, midway through my, my college. A career, I started realizing that, you know what, I'm not going to take these classes just that's going to keep me eligible. I want to take classes that were going to provide me a career in the event that football doesn't work out because it's not going to be long term. Uh, transition that into the football, uh, professional football stage. I started to see that as much as we think we're in control, we don't own the team. We don't right. own the ability to to really create our fate. Uh, you could be a great player. And at that time, I was doing really well. But if I have a disagreement with my coach, he still has the ability just as an owner mm -hmm. of a business to basically fire me or right. let me go. Mm -hmm. uh, so I want to make sure I always had control of my destiny. And from there, I decided I would never settle for good when great is available. We know, and I heard that one place uh -huh. and I said, you know what, going forward, everything that I do, I'm always going to push the envelope. I'm always going to try and figure out disruption in a good way, yes. not in a negative way, yes. but one that would always say, am I truly trying and achieving at that level that is afforded to me as a person, as an individual? You know, it's really interesting when I hear you because, you know, the, the modern athlete, and I said the modern athlete, maybe the last, you know, I, I put you in that modern athlete group because it was after 2000 that uh, the, the, the mentality changed. You know, it was all about, you know, football and then football in and in players were just shocked, you know, what they was going to do with the next step. Now we have the modern athlete who are planning after the game. You know, a, a classic modern athlete is LeBron James. A classic modern athlete is Magic Johns. A classic modern, modern, modern athlete is Steph Curry. You are a classic modern athlete, but you are earlier than them. So who, who are your role models, Herman, to, uh, to point you in the right direction that you should be like this, that you should be prepping for this? Because you seem to have laid a great foundation for a future as an entrepreneur post-football. 
right. Yeah. So being in Detroit, we are around a lot of very successful uh, former athletes like Vinnie Johnson, uh, owning and running a, a billion dollar enterprise. Uh, Dave Bing, former basketball player, uh, professional basketball mm-hmm. player, becoming a mayor, as well as uh, having successful businesses. I watched Magic Johnson. I looked at how he started to command his brand, uh, not just on the basketball court, but what he started to do in terms of getting the value out of that, not just I'm going to show up and be the face of something, but actually owning it. Um, that was that was empowerful and impactful for me to see. Uh, Michael Jordan going in and saying, you know what, I'm going to have a brand that runs a line. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I want to stay in the sports world that mm-hmm. we have with the Nike, but I'm going to have my own brand that mm-hmm. is is just that it is solely him mm-hmm. and and it's going to run parallel, but just as powerful or more recognized than even that. And he elevates like, in my opinion. So it's, it's, those are the, the people that I could look at. And there's many, many more. I'm sure if I, I really start to think back about it, but right. I said, you know what? I see people who have, pa- have paved the way uh, out of a profession like mine. And that you can talk about entertainment. You can talk about actors and actresses. You can talk about successful business people as a whole, but if you, the, the playbook is there, right? You just have to be a student and willing to receive it. And I was listening to TD Jakes one time, and he talked about how sometimes we run uh, behind opportunities, sometimes we run ahead of it, but we got to figure out a way in which we put ourselves to where we're running parallel, absolutely, to where we're not missing it. We're not there before we're supposed to be, and we're not behind it, always never being able to catch up. And I've tried to figure out to position myself that way. And so you, you take all these things in, and you have a recipe. And uh, but you got to be willing to put in the work. Well, you know, the, the, the key is you is work. But also when I read on your history, it's always about young people. I hear that. Like even the even golden grooming is about young people preparing themselves, looking professional, feeling good about themselves. And then you have a new uh, program, an entrepreneurship program or your foundation, Tackle Life Foundation that you have you launched already or what stage is it? of that foundation called Tackle Life, which is like tackling somebody, but tackling life instead <laughs> of a player on the field. So you're about tackling life, and that's the foundation that it's based on. Talk about it. Yep. So the Tackle Life Foundation, I actually started running it uh, as a private organization in 2009. Uh, then I be, I got my um, foundation certified in 2016. And the the I've always done camps. I've always done something that would try and bring empowerment or have a touch point with young adults to where we can still touch them and and influence their foundational growth. And what I see is that you have to be able to reach back and not, it's not about what I do and what's appealing to me, but it's what does the world itself offer? And how do we extract those different abilities and the mindset from individuals say, who am I? And how can I take this this knowledge or this opportunity and apply it to my vision and my goal? So everything that we do has been around that. We've done programs from uh, computer programming. So we design websites and build um, different types of projects uh, that require robotics. Uh, We also now are into e-gaming and e-sports, which is a big thing. There's grants and scholarships, especially at HBCUs. Uh, that are getting really big into the e-sports e- and e-gaming platforms. Uh, we, with this entrepreneurship program, if you look at the African-American community, we're very entrepreneurial. Right. However, the failure rate is high because we don't have access to not only the partnerships, the revenue, the tools. Uh, when I go and I meet with these large manufacturers, the first thing I saw, Rashawn, was that they mentioned they would love, and I won't name these big retailers. These are your major, major retailers. They said, you know what? 
we we want the African American products, we want the minority based products, but you know what? The product quality isn't there. The labeling isn't there. They don't have the systems and the logistics to be able to handle the workload or the the capacity of the distribution that we need. They don't have these these things. Well, question I have for them is: Are you providing resources through your manufacturing partners to afford them that opportunity? And not many were. And then I looked at who we were, and that's what spawned this entrepreneurship program to say, we are a manufacturer. We're not relying on someone to help us. We get the raw goods. We also, through Team 84, my parent company, we do logistics and transportation and procurement and all these things and packaging. So we know what? We'll do this ourselves. We'll create an entrepreneurship program to help us bring those young, aspiring people in who would love to learn about manufacturing of products and services that we offer. Mm -hmm. And then we would team up with them to actually launch that vision. And mm-hmm. we're gonna create this marketplace. So we've already started this program under leadership of a person I brought in who's done a great job. Her name is Chrissy Zavakar. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's our chief uh, marketing and communications officer, but she also runs our, our program. And we're gone, we're, we're on our way. <laughs> and we, we already have identified about four or five uh, different companies or that we're gonna start with uh, youth. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're very excited, very, very excited about it. And it costs them nothing. Right. That's the beautiful thing. Well, it's not going to cost them anything to do. Well, let me, let me, let's, let's slow it down and talk about it because you, you said a lot, but I, you, you mentioned your communication director and your CMO, and we know the name Tackle Life Foundation started in 2009, official 2016, which was officially recognized as a foundation. How does one, is it a, a limit to the amount of uh, students, uh, young adults? Is it age requirements? What are the requirements for participating in the Tackle Life Foundation opportunities? Well, for the for that particular program, the entrepreneurship program, it starts with the age of 18. Uh, we will go below that, but you have to get parents involved and then you're mm-hmm. executing documents with them. Mm-hmm. So we're we're looking at for those particular programs at a at a different age group and right. up. Uh, we don't necessarily put a cap because people can be entrepreneurial all their lives. Yes. And uh, for us, we don't put restrictions or limitations there. And to qualify for that, uh, we've created a website. That should be up here in about a month. Okay. Uh, that will start to open it up to the public. We put we pick a few groups to work with. We're working with uh, the juvenile justice system uh, mm-hmm. to work with some that are are incarcerated and or are getting out that need to have a place and a vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we wanted to start where areas of need would be there. We're also working with some of the youth organizations where we will hand select a few that have vision to come in and participate in our program. But we're going to open this up and. Uh, if you qualify, that'd be great. But we will do, you know, some contract manufacturing as well. Mm-hmm. I have to mention that uh, for those that are looking for partnerships that will help them scale, so they don't have to do it out their house. Right, right. <laughs> uh, right. So we, they can definitely reach out to us uh, in, in at that capacity, and we're going to do as much as we can uh, within our means to to be able to help. Well, I, I would tell you this: uh, I want to know more, and I would love to uh, learn more, be a part of this for you. Uh, my, my talents, uh, I've been doing this since I was 18 years old, uplifting, educating. My, deg- my background degree is in mathematics, my minor is sociology, worked five years for IBM, so I have an executive training, and I'm an entrepreneur. So in hearing this for the first time on this show, I'm just going to let you know, if you're looking for volunteers, always know I'm available. I'm not just saying that because I'm on this show trying to get in good, good with you. Because I already got my grooming stuff. I don't need you no more. <laughs> but I just know that what you're doing is important, especially for men of color. 
And uh, and if I, if I'm in a position to help you, I will help you. Okay. Now, I really appreciate that, and uh, by all means, I will reach out because. I can't do it alone. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Cool. Well, I'm going to switch gears to another subject that I know nothing about, but is making the headlines: cryptocurrency. First of all, explain to my listeners and viewers what exactly is cryptocurrency? Well, it depends on who you're speaking with. There, there are many of us who think that it is a decentralized uh, service in, in the financial market that allows uh, very seamless transactions and the, the, the purchase of, of, of just basically this, this coin that people think is just a phantom value. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it is a way in which to be able to move um, dollars around uh, in, a, in a digital space uh, versus using fiat, which is you know, what we use now, the American dollar, or something that is more physical and tangible that's tied to a, um, um, some type of um, collateral. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's something that I think is worth looking at. And as I mentioned to you earlier, you know, I'm not an expert on it, but what I've learned is I look at the value of systems. I look at blockchain technology and I look at a way in which you improve on some of the deficiencies that you find in the financial system. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think has grown, has pretty much grown quite a bit and has caught the attention of many of those in the financial space. But the regulations are a lot lighter uh, than what, uh, and unregulated than what you see in the central right. banking system. Uh, but uh, as those things get ironed out, I think there is a play here. I don't think it's going away. Well, I'm, and I'm pretty sure it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could put regulations there, but there's just too many places and parts of the world. And it's a global participation. This isn't just about the United States. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I, I mainly just play around with uh, uh, some of the, the smaller coins, uh, mm-hmm. but I will find some that uh, especially the Ethereum, uh, that is is where I, I put more of my time and effort. Well, well, before I close, you know, we talked about the the golden grooming, which I, like I said, this is at my desk every day. I'm letting you know, Herman, I use this. I I use this man. It makes me feel good. I like to believe it makes me look good. Okay, <laughs> that was about yeah. cutting from my Looking mustache good. right there. I'm, I'm grooming, brother, right in front of you on this interview. Okay. And uh, but more importantly, we talked about you, your, 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 your giving back. We talk about your ability to run a country from uh, run run your business from state across this country using technology. Now you're in the podcast world, and you, I, I'm a big fan of this deep, deep voice uh, uh, sidekick of yours, Lomas Brown. How did you? Why did you decide <laughs> to get into the podcast world with offensive tackle Lomas Brown? Talk about that. Your former Detroit Tiger, Detroit, Detroit Lions teammate. Yeah, so with Lomas, uh, what a great, great guy. Uh, we uh, ended up being teammates uh, when I came in in 1991. Mm-hmm. He was probably the toughest guy on me because linemen don't like for you to make a mistake because if you drop a pass, that could have led 50 yards closer <laughs> to the end zone. That's 50 less yards they have to work off of. So uh, they, they threatened me quite a bit, which made me an all-pro wide receiver and actually do my job. <laughs> but afterwards... Uh, he is someone who is very much engaged in the community. He's very philanthropic. Uh, he He's just the nicest, nicest guy you could ever meet. And because of that, I, I wanted to figure out a space for him within, first and foremost, our company. So bringing him in as our chief diversity mm-hmm. and uh, business development uh, arm, that was awesome. Uh, he's done a tremendous job there. But then he and I both have been in media for over 20 years. 
Mm-hmm. And having that background, we decided why not build a studio in our office? Why not come up with our own uh, camera crew, our podcast equipment, and start to do our own show? So we started a show because Lomas always, if you don't, if you get to know him, the first thing he had, he will say when he leaves a meeting with you, say, next time we get together, let's break bread. Yes. And so yes. we decided to call our show Breaking Bread. Awesome. And uh, from then on, we've been having a blast. It allows us to talk about things that are relevant to us, things that are relevant to our community and, and to our base uh, of, of listeners and viewers. So that's uh, it's been fun. As you know, as having your own show, it, it's liberating and it's rewarding because it gives you a voice in a place um, that is, a, again, another channel and a platform that's afforded to us that you know, we can we can go out and be ourselves. Well, I, 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 I'm a fan of you. I'm a fan of Lomas. And uh, how does one get talent on your show? Do, do you have a booking agency that books the talent? We just, you, know, you just call them out of the blue? Herman, how do people get on your show, man? Or oh, it's just you and him talking all the time. Y'all just hogging all the information. How do people get on y'all podcast, man? <laughs> <laughs> Come on now, we, we're not going to just hog it all by ourselves. We're going to make sure we get some other people in there that like to talk. Uh, but, uh, but for now, it's been us reaching out um, to other people that we know. Uh, we have a, a, a plethora of, Absolutely. of people that we've met and we've, we've, we've worked with over our careers. But also with, uh, again, I mentioned Chrissy Zavakar, who has been really good at uh, working with us to help bring in that talent as well as be the communication channel and making sure that gets facilitated and book. Uh, but yeah, she's the one who's, she's running that show for us. She's running the background. Her background was just so you know, uh-huh. uh, she used to manage all of the content and digital content for the Detroit lions for over seven years. Mm-hmm. And then she came in to become part of awesome. our team. We've known her. So there's a comfort level there. She mm-hmm. knows us as people and personalities. Um, so we got a, we had a really good team and, uh, I, I look forward, you got to have moments and I on your show. And then you got to come on our show. Oh, we'll, we'll that's a, we'll a couple have a great, of great, great time. I'm, I'm, you got to tell us what your favorite food is. You got to eat when you're talking with us. I'm, I'm, that's, brother, I'm going to tell you, I probably, because I got a kitchen upstairs, I probably make some pies and some donuts while I'm talking to you doing the interview, teasing you. And you keep saying how skinny I am. I'm going to just let you know how I eat. Right on your interviews, doing the interview right, on your well, show. Well, uh, the word, okay, well, we'll do it. You know, we, we got a soul food capital around here, there too. There you go. Uh, so there you go. don't make me have to put the spread out. I'll uh, put the spread out there on work. our side. That'll, and that'll, uh, I'm going to make you make your mouth all watery, and you're going to be over there salivating, too. So I not just it. me. I love it. Not I tell you, man, it's a great interview, man. I appreciate the product. I'll be promoting your products in my newsletter. On my uh, social media, got like a million followers. So i just been waiting to get you on the show. And I have some friends of mine. I'm going to tell them about uh, tell to contact me. I'm gonna get my boy Stephen A. Smith on your show. As soon as you all the previous said you can entertain, I'm gonna let them know about the show. So I just want to help you blow up, man, because you're a great person. You're doing a lot for the community. You made the transition. You're smart, and you got a sense of humor. And you're with my boy Lomas Brown. <laughs> there it is. Breaking Lomas Brown with Lomas Brown. I appreciate that, and uh, uh, the feelings mutual. And thank you so much for having me on to talk about what we did. Cool. If you want to hear or see any of my interviews on money making conversations, please go to money making conversations. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your